Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Coming up on this week's show, how European soccer is taking over soccer in the USA, soccer fans in the United States celebrate the return of the Scottish League, more NWSL games are coming to CBS, is Tottenham's new documentary All or Nothing, plus we have letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer, joined alongside my co-host Kartik Krishnaya. Now Kartik, um... It's always funny because like, when we do this podcast, sometimes I think some episodes will be shorter than others, and the ones I think will be shorter than others end up being a little bit longer, uh, just because there's there's so much to analyze. And uh, and you did an interview last week, which was really interesting. With uh, I think it was um, was it Full Sail University? Yes, uh, yes. About the World Soccer Talk podcast, among other things, about your career as a as a journalist. And uh, you talked about, uh, we, we didn't think that this podcast would have so much to talk about. When we changed formats, it was kind of really, about three years ago, it was really to focus on, on a niche, which was, uh, we've been talking about it for years anyway, kind of offline, which was talking about analyzing the game, actually analyzing the, the broadcasts of the game, the production of the game, the commentaries of the game, talking about who had which rights, talking about... Fox versus ESPN and, and those types of things, and uh, it ended up being that, that we every single episode, even those episodes that we think we don't have much to talk about, there is so much details. And, and actually, even in, in the news segment, you'll see how much uh, news there is uh, just this week alone. So yeah, it, it, it's interesting, Carter, because like uh, you were talking to about the previous incarnations of this podcast, which which have been going on since 2006. And uh, we have more to talk about now. We have more listener feedback than ever before, even when the, the podcast was very popular uh, back in the day, too, with uh, Lawrence McKenna and many others uh, focusing on analyzing, like actually previewing Premier League games and reviewing Premier League games. Now we've expanded it. But uh, do you agree with uh, that uh, kind of kind of uh, analogy, Kartik, in terms of uh, this podcast? 
Yeah, no, I, I, as, I, as I said in that interview, and by the way, apologies to the viewers, you know, my uh, niece is in uh, Broward County Schools where we live, uh, has not have not reopened uh, their buildings, right? So they're all, every public school student in this school district, which is the sixth largest school district in the country, by the way, uh, is in virtual school. So I had intended to shoot the video where I normally shoot videos and could not. So I ended up being on my bed in my bedroom. So I apologize to viewers for that. Uh, I know it looked very awkward, but still, um, the point being that, yeah, as I mentioned in, in, on that broadcast, I did not uh, expect this this version of the podcast to take off the way it did. And I think within six months, I realized we had quite a niche that people were interested in and talking about. And now three years later, three and a half years later, uh, we're uh, we're rolling and there's so much news every week in the broadcast space. And I think it's also because we captured the moment where there was a lot of transitioning going on from traditional um, over the air and linear broadcasts to streaming. And so we captured that moment as well. Yeah, and it's one of those things that uh, we've captured the moment, but actually that moment is happening and changing so quickly now. It's week week by week, things change. And, and that's one of the reasons for World Soccer Talk. Pretty much the main reason really is to make it easier to uh, uh, to find out where and when to watch games. So TV schedules, uh, news about uh, rights, who has uh, which games, and, and it is an ever-changing field. So so that that's our focus 100%. Now, speaking of our focus, Kartik, uh, in terms of what we've been watching from this past week, uh, not a lot of games on. Uh, there, there are quite a few in different leagues, but what was your favorite match from this past week that you saw? Well, I watched a grand total of zero minutes of uh, men's football this week. So um, it has to be a women's game. Of the women's games, I guess I'll pick the Champions League final, uh, the UEFA Champions League final, which Leon won again which is, is highly predictable. I think Wolfsburg had some extraordinary moments in, in the match. Pop was very good. She, she had a great game, and I, and I think there were, there were moments in that match where I, it, particularly in the second half, where I thought Wolfsburg were going to equalize. And uh, a treat to have the Women's Champions League. Look, this has been a, a roller coaster tournament for American viewers, and uh, it was on all access this, uh, this summer. Hopefully, CBS, with their uh, commitment to UEFA men's tournaments, will continue to show us the women's tournament. Yes, Leon wins every year. I know that can be the that can be the obvi- obvious critique, which is the same sort of critique we can have in the men's tournament that it's the same teams winning every year, right? They just hand the trophy off to one another. Uh, but I think the quality of women's football is growing, and the stature of the tournament is growing, and we're seeing m- more and more players go from NWSL to European leagues. Uh, so. I, I think it's going to be a more interesting Champions League this season than it's been the last few. Yeah, I caught a few minutes of that game. Actually, I was hoping to watch more of it. The the Chelsea Man City um, FA Community Shield game uh, that was on ESPN Plus, yeah. and uh, I kept on getting pulled away because I had some uh, relatives over, so I wasn't able to actually uh, dedicate the time to watch that game. But I did watch the men's final, which was the uh, FA Community Shield. Uh, between Arsenal and Liverpool. And I to me, this is my favourite game of the week. I didn't, going into it, I didn't expect uh, both teams to have such full-strength squads, pretty much. I was expecting youth players, and that was about it. Uh, it ended up being pretty uh, pretty entertaining. It was a, a good uh, 1-1 draw uh, in the 90 minutes, and then, of course, going to penalty kicks. Martin Tyler and Stuart Robson on the call, so you can't go wrong wrong there. Arsenal defending much, much better. 
uh, under uh, Mikel Arteta than they were under Unai Emery. And uh, Liverpool looked short of ideas up front. It was, uh, I think, really, in many ways, oftentimes, Kartik, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I'm doing my predictions for the the Premier League season, so whether it's uh, who's going to finish top, who's going to get relegated, uh, and also at fantasy football, oftentimes I wait to the FA Community Shield before I go ahead and make my decision. Oftentimes, too, it's based on preseason friendlies and watching closely and seeing which teams are doing well and which players. And, and based on that FA Community Shield, I often make a lot of decisions. I, I would look at this and think, OK, Liverpool uh, is going gonna, is gonna to struggle to try to win the, the Premier League uh, next season. But of course, you, you can't base that on one game. But uh, nevertheless, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game. And uh, it was great that ESPN Plus had the uh, essentially the double header of um, the FA Women's Community Shield followed by the, the Men's Community Shield. So in terms of some of the other things I've been watching from this past week, I did watch uh, Ligue 1. I watched uh, Strasbourg against Nice. And uh, I, I turned this one on and was really surprised to have Phil Shane and Ray Hudson on the commentary. I, don't, I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh, the game, uh, Nice, actually Strasbourg looked pretty good, but Nice uh, won this one 2-0. What I do love about uh, Ligue 1 this season is that they've got a new score ticker kind of in the top left corner. And the graphics they have on screen are really, really professional, really good. It's kind of a fluorescent blue color, uh, Trebian there. But, but, but to me, watching the, the French League, it's always enjoyable. It's always uh, very watchable. And it's one of those things, again, too, I always have to regret that I can't watch more of it just be, because usually there's a whole bunch of other leagues on at the same time. And they have to pick and choose, really. But that one I enjoyed. Kartik, did you? I, I don't think you did, but did you see any of the uh, the new documentary All or Nothing, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, that came out this week on Amazon Prime? No, and and in fact, had had it not been for people asking me on Twitter, I would not have even known it had come out. So, uh, again, I mean, I the only things I watched this week, football wise, were the Champions League final and the Charity Shield, the Women's Charity Shield. So, no, I haven't watched it. I am not. Sure, I want to watch it uh, when uh, I, I, I probably will watch it until the point Pochettino gets sacked. But I don't need uh, <laughs> uh, hours of, of Jose Mourinho propaganda. I mean, it's also a, a, maybe a mental health issue for me when it comes to Mourinho. And I'm I, I very openly admit that, that he just he has an ability to wind me up in a way that no other individual on the planet does. Well, he, he will definitely if you did go through and watch uh, the first three episodes that are available right now on Amazon Prime, and then they're going to release a, a new episode every week. Uh, he would definitely rile you up. I mean, it's within the first maybe 10 minutes uh, Pochettino gets sacked or so in the first episode, and then the rest of it is uh, all all Jose. Uh, Which is what I suspected this documentary was going to be, because I, I mean, it seemed like a conspiracy theory, but... Uh, it, Pochettino was sacked in November, and right away people are thinking maybe this happened because Amazon's doing a documentary to make it a Jose show rather than about uh, uh, the club as a whole because there were however many months until Pochettino got sacked. That uh, sort of confirms it. I I think it's worth watching, though, um, for whether you're a neutral. If you're a Spurs fan, definitely, for, for sure. Uh, you're, you're probably in the in the tank with, with Spurs, uh, whoever you may be, but but it's definitely worth watching, and partly for the comedy. Well, it's not really comedy, but it, it's a an interesting insight into some some of the the players. So, uh, watching this, I think uh, learning more about Harry Kane, how he is in the the dressing room, 
um, kind of you know as a captain, what what role does he play? What what types of things does he say? It's interesting because um, he treats himself very seriously. That you don't get to feel or understand um, the personality or character of Harry Kane. He's all about the football, all one hundred percent focused. While some of the other players are more laid back. Um, it, it's it's interesting, Kartik, because I, I think in many ways that um, this is a puff piece, not as bad as this is LAFC, which was over the top puff puff piece, but but Pravda would be proud of this effort uh, by Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, it's really a PR piece uh, for Daniel Levy and uh, and Jose as far as they kind of interviewing them, getting to know what they're they're thinking, uh, getting a, a warmer appreciation for both of them. I think it's hard. Not to walk away and think, oh, okay, well, Daniel Levy's not as bad as what he appears to be. You mean in terms of in the press? This is a guy that, I mean, feels has emotions. You mean wants to wants the best out of this team, and the same thing for Jose. But but I mean, I think all of us or most of us know Jose. I mean, he's like a chameleon. He from club to club to club. You know that. that at the end of the day, there's a very kind of very negative, very aggressive, very pragmatic now um, way that he plays his teams, and he, and you get you get a sense of that with Tottenham Hotspur as far as the way they're setting up, the way that they're focused 100 percent on really kind of containment, on trying to, I mean, rather than go out and, and win the games, that they're, they're all focused about okay, trying to concede as few ga- goals as possible. So it's um I I think it's interesting. I mean it's it's worth watching. There's nothing controversial in there. There's nothing negative uh, about Spurs. Um the one thing watching this one really is kind of the the centerpiece for this film really is the is the new stadium, the new White Hart Lane. And uh watching each episode it just reminds me of how much money's been pumped into this brand new stadium. And there you have an empty stadium with not a soul in the place. Um, I mean, the la- la- well, the, la- the end of last season and-, and going into the beginning of the new season, and how much money they must be losing. Uh, I mean, it-, it just to me, it's like I'm like I'm watching this, thinking like, oh my gosh, this was the the worst possible timing to build a stadium of of this level with no fans, <clears throat> and and no fans too from the NFL games uh, in that stadium. But I think it's worth watching. I-, I would recommend it. Again, it's on Amazon Prime Video. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free. And uh, some people might uh, hate it. Some people might love it. I, I thought it was interesting, but although at the end of the day, it's still it's, it's still a PR piece. What about you, Kartik? Anything else uh, stand out from this past week? No, like I said, I, I've, I've watched uh, uh, Women's Charity Shield, and I watched uh, the, uh, the the Champions League final, uh, Women's Champions League final, and I went back, and there's still a number of NWSL matches you can find on CBS All Access, so I, I perused them. I didn't watch entire matches, but I'm getting ready for the NWSL Fall Series by, by uh, doing a refresher on kind of the middle of the Challenge Cup, which I missed, right? I watched a lot at the beginning, watched a lot at the end, and missed the beginning. So preparing for what is going to be a Mad Dash NWSL season uh, also. So I, it was all women's football for me this week. That's not a, a conscious decision. It just uh, uh, sort of happened. I, I assume it will flip back uh, this week to more balance with Nations League, which um, is something we can be a little excited about. I mean, I don't get excited about internationals. I think people who listen to the show know that. But uh, I think Nations League is something a little bit different, right? And um, – 
I, I kind of liked it last time. I don't want to say I, lo- I loved it, but uh, I, I probably will watch Portugal, Croatia, Spain, Germany. There are a couple of really kind of tasty matchups this week. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and I think uh, and I think uh, Netherlands against Italy is a game. I think next week. Oh yeah, that one too, right? Yeah, yeah it, one. it's a it's a surreal time though, Kartik, because we're we're in an international break now. So when listeners are listening to this podcast, we're in the international break. Although it doesn't feel like it because usually we have the I mean the, the beginning of the new seasons in August, and then now we would be in this interruption in this international break, uh, which really kind of cuts into the season to the beginning of it. And and um, and then of course usually about ten days to fourteen days later we're back in in the the heat of of the uh, the European seasons, but it it is a bit surreal though too because you have none of the teams in Concacaf or Conmebol uh, playing games they would normally be playing uh, Conmebol would be playing World Cup qualifiers you'd have Argentina Brazil etc playing uh, Concacaf you'd be having what the Concacaf uh, Nations League games being Nations played. League, yep. I mean, there's there, there's no friendlies in Concacaf. There's no friendlies in Conmebol. So what you really have right now is European soccer taking over. Um, it's been front and center since May when the Bundesliga returned, and then throughout the summer you had some of the European leagues finishing their seasons, as well as uh, the Champions League tournaments and Europa League tournaments. And and now the the next ten days, it's really monopolized by. Um, but by UEFA, by the UEFA Nations League, so it's an ideal time for them to see if they can actually get some decent TV viewing numbers. Of course, you mentioned the Portugal Croatia game this weekend on ABC. There's the Iceland um, England game also on, on ABC earlier in the day. Um, most of the games uh, are going to actually all of the games. Every single UEFA Nations League game is live. Uh, either well, actually, it's on both uh, Tudo NA and ESPN which could be ESPN3, ESPN+. We have the full schedule at worldsoccertalk.com. Interestingly, though, Kartik, MLS is playing through the international break, which I guess there's no problem doing it this time. Usually they get a lot of uh, criticism for doing it. But when most of your players, or actually probably almost the majority of your players, the vast majority of players, are not playing for any uh, national teams because um, you mean they're not playing in the CONCACAF or Comma Bowl, it's interesting because almost all of the games are on ESPN+. Plus. So um, while they're not getting a lot of limelight to national television, they are going through just the the crunch of trying to get these games played so they can catch up and have kind of a a second phase of the MLS's back season. I mean, kind of the last final phase between, what, September to October until December. Having said that, Kartik, I did watch a couple of games this week from MLS. Uh, both of them involved Miami. Um, Nashville's game last week was on ESPN+. Plus. This was their very first uh, broadcast of a home game featuring uh, their local crew, which was, uh, it was Tony Husband, uh, it was, was a commentator, and he was joined by co-commentator Jamie Watson and analyst Laurie Lindsay. And uh, really, really very polished broadcast from Nashville, I was very impressed. Uh, to me, it was better than what Fox does on their national TV broadcasts. Uh, really, really good uh, trio there. They did really well. Uh, this game I watched on ESPN+. And the, um, the interesting thing for this one was that uh, before every single Nashville game, there's a, a guitar solo by a different guitarist. Uh, it's part of, a, I think, a uh, sponsorship deal with uh, Gibson Guitars and with Nashville being Music City. It's it's apropos, but uh, so for the Nashville Miami game before the game, 
it was video. It wasn't actual the musician at the stadium, but it was Thin Lizzy's lead guitarist doing a guitar riff. Um, that I thought was really, I enjoyed that. I thought it was really, really good. And last but not least, Kartik. I watched uh, Atlanta against Miami on Wednesday night uh, live on FS1. And honestly, this is one of the worst games I've seen in, in probably years. Um, no quality from either side. It was a stop-start game. Just the referees letting the players get away with persistent fouls throughout the game. I mean, it was stops. I mean, it was almost every every single player took turn uh, t- uh, took turns fouling at the opponent player, spreading out uh, the number of fouls. But it was really no redeeming qualities at all from this game. Uh, even John Strong and Stu Holden, who were the the commentator and, and co-commentator. You could tell that they were getting frustrated by this game too, and it was really a poor representation of Major League Soccer. A lot of the criticisms I've had of over uh, about MLS were kind of true in this game in terms of it being overly physical, quality level being poor, uh, it being unwatchable at times. I persisted throughout the entire game to get to the end, but normally, I think if it wasn't Miami, I, I would have uh, switched it off. But um, Really, really poor look for Major League Soccer. Of course, this is not representative of the entire league as a whole. But uh, when you have, you mean FS1 saying, "Okay, all right, let's get uh, two big teams. Let's put Atlanta against Miami. It's going to be entertaining." And when it's the the complete opposite, it goes back to what we've been saying for a long, long time, which is that uh, rather than go, trying to go for the the games that will appeal to a national audience, which I'm sure once we see the TV numbers for this one next week, I'm sure it, it didn't go for the teams that are actually playing some quality football, the ones that are more exciting. But yeah, this was, uh, for anyone who watched it, um, it was absolutely awful. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. Yeah, so uh, NWSL has added four, or N- the NWSL Fall Series, there will be four matches on CBS over the air in the month of September, and then there will be three matches uh, in the month of October on CBS uh, CBS Sports Network in addition to matches on All Access. And the matches that are on uh, CBS uh, over the air the, uh, and on linear television you can also get on All Access. Uh, the matches that are not available via All Access or CBS on, on the television will be uh, available on Twitch. The fall series runs from this Saturday, September 5th, where and it kicks off with uh, Washington versus Sky Blue, Washington Spirit Sky Blue on CBS over the air uh, at 1 p.m. Uh, through October 17th. So kind of another quick uh, dash of soccer, six weeks, seven weeks or so of, of women's soccer between CBS, uh, CBS All Access, CBS Sports Network, and Twitch. Also this week, Chris, uh, and uh, the uh, WSL signed a uh, a deal with uh, with the FAS WSL with NBC Sports. We're going to have 50 matches on uh, this year on, on NBC Networks, on NBCSN, starting with uh, Manchester United Chelsea. Big game. We just mentioned Chelsea winning the Charity Shield and looking phenomenal. In fact, if there's a team that maybe can push Leon this year in Champions League, it might be Chelsea, especially with Sam Kerr, who didn't have the best game in the Community Shield. Uh, that game will be uh, at noon on Sunday. It is on tape delay, but Manchester United and Chelsea kicking off the Women's uh, Super League slate on an, and uh, uh, tongue tied here. Sorry, on NBCSN. 
Yeah, and it's one. It's part of a deal that's uh, for a season long, so it's for the twenty 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 one season. A lot of uh, anticipation and, and excitement for the women's Super League. Most of the games, though, will be on um, NBC Sports app and NBCSports.com. So not a lot of them on television, but uh, throughout the season, there might, there might be some, some opportunities where the schedule lines up perfectly, where there could be a game on, say, NBCSN, and then following that, there could be a Premier League game or, or vice versa. Um, you mentioned Sunday's game, the Man United game uh, with women. That one's live on uh, NBC Sports app and NBCSports.com at the 9.30 kickoff. And like you said, too, Kartik is going to be on tape delay then on NBCSN, I think, uh, around about noon on Sunday. It's. I wonder with this one, Kartik, if it wasn't for CBS and CBS going in with the NWSL uh, and really focusing on that as as a, as a priority for them, as well as, of course, UEFA. But if they hadn't gone in on this one, I wonder if NBC would have gone in with the Women's Super League. Was it? Was it? Do you think it's some pressure or some them NBC thinking like, well, maybe we should get into this too? Yeah, and also I think the signings of NWSL players in the WSL has uh, has prompted that. Uh, NBC did. They were the they and BN were also in the running for NWSL rights. So they had expressed interest when CBS got the rights. Octagon, the media partner that had been retained by NWSL, made a deal with CBS. But NBC was certainly in the running for that. They showed more interest in that than they have in, in other soccer properties outside the Premier League lately. So I, I think women's football has been on their mind. And there are some legitimate stars that American fans know that are moving to England. Obviously, uh, Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle have signed with Manchester City. You've got Sam Kerr, who I just mentioned, uh, at Chelsea, and a number of other former NWSL players floating around. Plus, uh, quite frankly, those um, fans of the Premier League who are into club-centric thoughts, um, there has been a real effort by some of the bigger clubs in England to promote their women's side to their supporters, even the United States, Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, and now Manchester United, I would put in that in that bucket. Uh, one club that does not do well by the women's game and gets a lot of criticism is Liverpool. Let's see if maybe this, um, this deal in the U.S., which would increase their U.S. marketing uh, capability, may prompt them to, uh, to put a little more effort into, uh, into that side. Uh, we, we, we will see. Yeah, that, that's a big thing, Kartik, too, because I think somebody asked on Twitter last week, they said that uh, with uh, the Women's Super League going to NBC Sports, would uh, soccer fans who usually watch more of the, the male uh, version of soccer, would they start watching the Women's Super League? And I, I think yes. I mean, for the most part, I mean, if you're a fan of whatever cl- club in the Premier League, um, well, for me personally, so my, my my favorite club, I'll watch the first team play. I'll watch U21 games, um, usually streaming, you know, over the internet. I'll watch those. Uh, I know that they have a women's team. It's not in the Super League, but if any of those games were on uh, streaming or television, I, w- I would watch those too. I support the club. So that club c- could be any, any uh, the academy, the, the first team, the women's team, whoever it may be, I support the club. So I think for NBCSN and NBC Sports, it's a smart move because, like you said, a Man City fan or you mean, will, will probably likely watch the women's team and support that team because you support the club, not the league. You don't support... I mean, it, this is different in America, but there's a lot of people that support NWSL or there's a lot of people that support MLS. Um, 
and and overseas that's not so much a thing you know I mean you support your club and that's it you, yes they're in the league but you don't support the league maybe if you're a neutral you watch a lot of the games from that league but uh yeah i think it's a smart move and um i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to watching some of these games and uh trying to it's a smart move by nbc because it pulls more people into watching uh soccer games on nbc as as opposed to going to to cbs uh, it's going to be some competition for the NWSL, which is, which is a good thing. Next news item, and this is a big one that we broke uh, here at worldsoccertalk.com last week, and that is that ESPN Plus has acquired the rights to the Scottish Premiership for the next five years. This one was a story I had been working on for quite some time and uh, got got a, a communication from the league that uh, a deal had been signed. And uh, unfortunately, not all of the paperwork had been completed um, by the time of the uh, last weekend's games. So ESPN weren't able to go ahead and broadcast that. But the likelihood uh, is that uh, the games will come back uh, when the Scottish League returns. By that time, ESPN... And uh, the Scottish League would have uh, signed all of the the final documents, and away we go. I mean, this is something that uh, when I reported this news on uh, on on WorldSoccerTalk dot com, I was amazed by how many people were excited about this. And I, and again, Kartik, I think a lot of this is people excited about ESPN Plus. This is people that are, that are really like happy to have another league on ESPN Plus to follow. And a, a lot of people on Twitter and social media were talking about, well, which club should I follow? Which club is uh, a club that uh, I can get behind and uh, have as my second club? Is it is it Hibs? Is it Hearts? Well, not Hearts. This isn't. But is it Hibs or is it you know Partick Thistle or whoever it may be? Um, a lot of excitement, and I was pleasantly surprised by the amount of uh, support for this. Of course, there's a lot of hardcore. Uh, fans of Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, etc. But uh, this is good news and uh, another pickup by ESPN Plus and another way to add more value to that streaming service. NISA, uh, which is one of the third divisions in the U.S., they share the space with uh, the USL League One, has signed a deal with BN Sports for uh, this upcoming season and uh, for for the 2020 uh, fall season. Uh, NISA becomes the first American soccer property on BN since the NASL went belly up at the end of the 2017 season. Uh, should mention again that uh, BN was very interested in NWSL rights. Uh, what this does for uh, for NISA is it gets NISA on a national platform. Uh, their matches have been streamed on MyKuju to this point, and that's uh, a positive thing for the league. At the same time, uh, BN is in less than 10 million homes. We have to mention that. And a part of this deal that, that uh, NISA seems to be counting on are people using BN Sports Connect via some of the local affiliates that pick that up. I think uh, for your hardcore fan, and there are some hardcore fans of spe- spe- specifically three NISA clubs, Detroit City, Chattanooga FC, and the New York Cosmos, that might be an option. Uh, for the rest of the people, I don't know that they're going to go to those great lengths to watch this league. So uh, I think it's uh, – I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but I don't think it's that huge a deal. Moving on to another news item, that is that the uh, Premier League schedule has has been announced for the upcoming season uh, from basically September 12th all the way through to the end of the season uh, – the, the end of September, I should say. And um, – most of the games are going to be on your regular NBCSN, but there are quite a few that are, that are exclusive to Peacock, including 
Sunday's game, Sunday, uh, September 13th, uh, Spurs against Everton, 11.30, which is usually the, the time for... Uh, the biggest game of the weekend. That one was originally on NBCSN, but they they changed their mind a day later and switched that one to Peacock. So I think that's something we're going to probably see more and more this season where some of these big games are going to be on Peacock. Yeah, I should mention it's Peacock Premium. So you have to... Right. Uh, yeah, if you sign up for the free Peacock or the... Uh, I, I think it's a free Peacock, right? Yeah. You don't get these matches. Exactly. So you need to sign up premium package exactly exactly and, and it's a lot of information to get through so we put it we put together a uh, peacock faq which is on the homepage of worldsoccertalk.com which uh, discusses the three different tiers of peacock and uh, which are the ones that you need to get in order to watch uh, the premier league games which is going to be 175 uh, games throughout this entire 2020-21 uh, season but um, kicking off on September 12th, the first game is Fulham against Arsenal. That's on NBCSN, uh, followed by uh, West Ham against Newcastle, Crystal Palace against Southampton, and then finishing up on Saturday's uh, games, which is the big one t- for me, Liverpool at home against Leeds United on NBC and Telemundo. So a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation uh, for the new season. I'm, I'm looking forward to, forward to it coming back. Uh, it is going to be a big change, though, for a lot of um, listeners and viewers. So uh, definitely check out the uh, the Peacock FAQ because it's going to be a bigger part of this coming season than ever before, more than, more so than NBC Sports Gold. And if you don't have it, um, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on some big games. With NBC Sports Gold in the past, it was usually the games featuring the smaller clubs. So it was your your Burnleys or Watfords or Crystal Palaces. Um, but this season, I think they're going to go ahead, because it's their biggest priority uh, from throughout NBC Universal. they will go ahead and pick some of these marquee matches and put those on Peacock. And that's a big, big change. So, so check that out. Also news this week, too, is that uh, Tim Howard uh, has been announced as the replacement for Carlo Martino as the studio analyst. And this one we hinted at or talked about last week's podcast where we mentioned Tim Howard, I think, as the first name of somebody that we would anticipate uh, being um, on the short list. And uh, I mean, he's worked at uh, NBC Sports before, of course, back to 2013-14. And um, most recently, Tim Howard was doing a lot of the uh, analysis in the studio for TNT on BR Football. Uh, for the Champions League. So mixed reaction among a lot of our listeners and uh, and followers and readers about Tim Howard coming back. I think I, I, I'll definitely give him a good chance. I think he's, um, I don't know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic has changed because he fit in pretty well with the TNT crew. The two Robbies and Rebecca, I'm sure that it'll be fine, but it, it's a different dynamic. Um, I hope he'll do well. He does have some good analysis. Um, in the past, he's been a little bit um, critical. <laughs> I mean, usually he's been kind of he's, he's Everton through and through. So when it's Liverpool or some other teams, he, he lets it go. He just says, "Nah, I, 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 you mean I, I don't like this team or you know whoever it may be, especially if it's playing against Everton." So maybe they can they can have a little bit of fun with that. What do you what do you think, uh, Kartik? Are you a Tim Howard fan as as an analyst? 
Yeah, I think he's he's pretty good. I think he was uh, he was very razor sharp uh, at times in the TNT studio, but he wasn't there all the time, right? Yeah, uh, because he was an active player. So they uh, uh, they missed out on him. It seems like as much as they had him. And I think we've talked about it repeatedly on this show that TNT studio was that much better when Tim Howard was there. As far as the Everton thing, I mean Liverpool fans like to complain about this. There were so many ex-Liverpool players in the media. There were so many ex-Liverpool players who were presenters. And the one time there was an Everton guy, Andy Gray is an Everton guy too. But he, actually, there are a number of Andy Hinchcliffe, uh, etc. There are a number of guys who've who've uh, played for for Everton or managed Everton that are that are commentators. But we seem to hear about it more. So I really don't have much time. For- that I've heard that about Tim Howard, and I think it's just an outsized influence of Liverpool uh, uh, fans in the media, and then Liverpool fans on social media. So uh, it'd be good to have an Everton voice on uh, on NBC's broadcasts. Yep, I agree. And Kartik, one more news item before we move on. Yeah, so this weekend, uh, Gio Reyna feature. Uh, on SC featured Sunday morning. Now it was supposed to air the previous Sunday got bumped. Uh, I've had a chance to, uh, to preview this. Uh, I think it's a must watch for any soccer fan in the U S there's a lot of things you do know, uh, but a lot of things you may not know about the Reina family and also a, a real neat human interest element to it as ESPN gears up for the Bundesliga season. This is a pretty uh, big deal in terms of ESPN using sports center and their their marquee, their flagship program to promote the Bundesliga. Let's hope it's not a one-off. But this Sunday morning, uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time, set your DVRs. Or if you're up, watch it live. Uh, uh, you won't regret it. And uh, we will have a preview of this uh, on World Soccer Talk on the website. That's right. Yep. As, uh, as soon as you listen to this podcast, it'll be up there and live. Moving on to TV ratings, not a lot to talk about because most of these games are on streaming, so there aren't that many games on, on television. Uh, but we will have the full list of uh, the TV ratings at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, the one that jumped out, Kartik, was uh, a big game. It was Seattle Sounders against LAFC on Sunday night on FS1, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, a late kickoff uh, for the East Coast, but prime time for the West Coast. Uh, a team, Seattle, that has a lot of uh, supporters uh, nationwide. LAFC last season especially was on fire. So a lot of interest in this game, you would imagine. The TV ratings, it tells a different story. 117,000 people watched this game live on FS1, which is absolutely abysmal. That's uh, I mean, an awful number. Um, in comparison, there was ESPN... Uh, on Saturday, last Saturday, had a high school football game on television. It was from uh, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern on a Saturday. Uh, Trinity Christian against Knoxville Catholic School. Um, two teams I've never heard anything about. I, I'm not a big fan of high school football. Uh, 358,000 people watched this one. And uh, Kartik, I, th- I think in many ways, I, 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 if, there's nothing positive you can say about these numbers from MLS, but um, and we've gone on on about this for so for so long. Um, one thing is that um, the ball is round. Um, the author of that, David, um, what's his last name? Goldblatt. David Goldblatt. So I'm reading one of his. Is I actually in, in the in the ball is round? It talks about. Actually, I was reading it last night. There's a chapter that talks about uh, how football. You mean 
basically uh, association football, soccer, how it did its journey around the world. So Australia, India, United States, and, and, and grew in popularity. But how the countries outside of the UK uh, felt a really nationalistic viewpoint. They didn't want to be tied to the UK. They didn't want to be tied to Great Britain. They wanted to have their own identity. And the identity part of it is a big factor because in Australia, they, they went ahead and invent, invented Australian rules football, which is a, I mean, it's a kind of a cross between a little bit of soccer, but, but mostly rugby, but then also a little bit, quite a lot different and exciting to watch by, uh, by no doubt. In America, it was American football, gridiron football, which came out of uh, kind of, again, a mixture of soccer and rugby. And then they looked at that at Harvard and did the Harvard rules and changed it to make it where you had what is very much like modern day American football. And and it made me wonder, made me think about uh, how, in many ways, the nationalistic point of view from the United States, where American football is our sport, you know, I'm an American citizen, as you are, Kartik. We're American, um, and as are many of our listeners. But I mean, Americans are very patriotic about football. It's their sport. American football is it's their sport, and soccer still is looked at as being a foreigner sport. It's looking at it's it's looked at as kind of being lower down in the priority of uh, things. And um, Yes, of course, there's other factors about kind of the level of play in MLS and how the U.S. men's national team is doing and not qualifying for World Cups and how bad Fox is is presenting the sport and so on and so forth. But at at the end of the day, the chances of soccer becoming a massive sport in this country are almost, you mean, it's not going to happen, Kartik, right? Yeah, and the one thing I'm really concerned about and, and is that, and I and we need to track this as the years go on uh, with 2DNA and, and Telemundo, one thing I'm very concerned about is second and third generation Hispanics, Latinos, whose parents have a love of, of football, uh, many of whom are, are Mexican-Americans and, and support their clubs from Mexico, that that might begin to drop off. And they, they get indoctrinated in the American football culture, particularly with a lot of them in Texas and Florida, where American football is king, uh, or get uh, uh, indoctrinated into whatever other American sport and, and, and leave soccer behind. So that's something I'm watching because that. That is effectively what happened with the European immigration in the uh, 19-teens and 1920s. I mean, there was a, uh, particularly among Scottish immigrants and Italian immigrants, still a love of football that eventually, in order to integrate themselves in American society, particularly Italian-Americans, they picked up baseball. And uh, I'm not I'm not judging it one way or another, but from a from a perspective of this sport, that's a concern I have about second and third generation Latinos, because talking to some of them, they're just not as interested in the sport as their parents. Now, we haven't seen a drop off in ratings for for Liga Emekis or anything else yet on 2DNA or uh, Telemundo, but that might come with time. So uh, it is something I'm concerned about, and I'm not sure um, that this becomes anything more than a niche sport, except during the World Cup. There are people who feel like they could turn on and turn off the World Cup uh, and maybe the Euros and Copa America and not pay attention to anything in between. So uh, that also goes to the short attention span of American fans for sports beyond American football. If you'll notice, that same short attention span applies to college basketball. It applies to golf. It applies to tennis. It sometimes even applies to the NBA and NHL where people only watch the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
that's kind of the world we're in. It is an American football centric uh, dominated world here in the United States. And and by the way, in Australia, the sport is having similar issues uh, because of the the competition with domestic sports. And also, and this is something I have to point out, uh, and I know a lot of people listening to this podcast will get very angry about this. The the influence of the Premier League on English speaking countries uh, throughout the world, and Jonathan Wilson talked uh, about this not that long ago, uh, has uh, has really hurt domestic leagues. I think Australia is probably at the very top of that list. Where um, And I would put MLS on that list too, but not quite as high as the A-League. Uh, and maybe the league is in Malaysia, the league's in India. Uh, these places where English is widely spoken, there's been kind of a drop-off in interest in domestic football as the Premier League has become more widely available because of the common language. That actually leads into Kartik. Uh, I'm sure you saw this that the DOJ this week, uh, the U.S. Department of Justice, yes. uh, warning FIFA, saying that uh, that uh, th- they could be practicing antitrust laws or, or breaking antitrust laws, violating yeah, vi- yeah. violating it because of uh, stopping La Liga as one example or, or clubs from Ecuador playing games, uh, league games in the United States, and MLS pushing back, saying no, 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 and, and U.S. soccer pushing back, saying no, this is our jurisdiction. Um, it's not a good thing to have those teams coming in and playing in the United States. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that's a story to watch for sure, because that could have some massive implications that could change. And that, that really, Kartik, it could kill Major League Soccer. You mean, uh, yeah, Barcelona's playing a, a match or two each year in the United States. That's uh, uh, that that that's a problem for MLS. And then uh, the 39th game thing from the Premier League has gone away, but I could see it very easily coming back. Serie A has seems to have no inhibitions moving their Super Cup to Saudi Arabia. I'm sure they will they will follow suit. So I think the floodgates could open. Uh, and and in terms of Australia, since we're talking about Australia, I think yeah. it's uh, uh, once the FIFA FIFA's jurisdiction over. Um, these sorts of uh, countries in the West, which have strong antitrust laws, are broken. And I think that, that it may not apply to developing nations because their laws are very different. But uh, the actual national laws regarding antitrust, it's actually stronger in places like Australia and Europe than it is in the United States, based on my interpretation. People can argue about that. But uh, there may be games all over. And uh, I don't know that there'll be the backlash now in England, in Britain that there was in 2008 when the 39th game was originally proposed. I think we're now more than a decade on uh, from that point, and there's more and more recognition among fans of football that it is a business. This is the way it goes. A lot of people in Britain, This again, every time we bring this up, it surprises people in the U.S. There are a lot of people in Britain who do not watch the Premier League, who do not care about the league, and have kind of written it off. They, they, they go to non-league football. They watch lower, lower league football, uh, or they're just watching England when they play. So uh, I think there's a better chance of the Premier League getting away with a 39th game now. And as far as La Liga is concerned, if this happens, we know they're going to move games to the United States. That's not even a mystery. We don't have to speculate about it. Right. So uh, it could be a very big threat to MLS for sure. Yeah, the 39th game, um, the chances of that getting pushed through and approved um, by the clubs in in England – the timing, actually, if, if they were to do it at any time, it would be now because in many ways, uh, I mean, usually the biggest complaint is that um, football supporters in the UK, I mean, fans of Spurs and Man City and Liverpool and all the clubs would say, well, 
that's not fair. I'm, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm missing out on, on going to that game to support my club. Now that game is going to be played in Miami or New York or wherever, wherever it is. But at this point in time, season ticket holders of, of any club in, in England, um, they're watching games online. They're watching games through streaming. All the games are, are going to be available uh, through in, in the UK so that uh, season ticket holders can watch it on their you know, devices, the laptops, the TVs, whatever it may be, until this whole coronavirus thing is over and fans can go back into the stadium. So... Um, Behind the scenes, behind closed doors, Kartik, I would not be surprised if uh, discussions are taking place and they're trying to figure out how to do this in a way that's going to um, benefit everyone involved. And um, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see on this one, but it's definitely a story to watch. Listener mailbag. First up is Chris Hardy. Um, A better question is, would Messi kill be in sports? No way Comcast or AT&T will uh, get be in sports back with no Messi or Ronaldo. This is the death nail, in my opinion, if he leaves. Or should I say when? I don't know if I watch La Liga, uh, if, if, if I'll watch La Liga if he leaves. And that was my second most watched league besides the Premier League. And there's no doubt that Messi is going to have a massive impact on on La Liga, whether he stays and plays, you mean, and uh, or whether he leaves. It's there's definitely going to be a lot of fans will, that will leave and start watching other leagues because they find those more entertaining because without Messi, without Ronaldo, it's not the same. But but having said that, though, too, La Liga, who's going through a really tough year this year as far as not making it into the uh, uh, the latter stages of the Champions League, but, but also, um, you mean, in terms of players leaving, this still has a, a large quality of, of technical players. It's still a, an exciting lead to watch. Uh, perhaps not as big as as in previous seasons, but that could change. Next, yeah, I go think ahead. I think they they have to be prepared for Messi to leave at some point. It, it probably won't be this year, in my opinion. It might be next season or or, uh, or down the road. But they have to be prepared for him to leave. And what are they going to do in terms of being a global property after that? They don't do a very good job of promoting their up-and-coming stars. And we see some of them, like Rodrigo this week, move from Valencia to uh, to Leeds. So a lot of them leave the league at, at a young age. The Bundesliga, by contrast, uh, pumps out – and you get these same emails, Chris, that I do – Basically, once a week, a feature to the media on uh, to the media in the U.S. on emerging young Bundesliga talent, and it's not just Americans that they're highlighting. Yes, they've highlighted Weston McKinney and, and Tyler Adams for good reason, but they, we get features on 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 all these uh, players that are coming up in the Bundesliga, regardless of nationality, which is. Uh, a big promotion for the league, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which the, La Liga doesn't do things like that in this yeah, country. That yeah, I you, can don't, see. you don't. I mean, those players are there, um, but you don't get that as much of a focus. I agree, and, and probably partly that is um, is being sports. I mean, you have a, a broadcaster that is not as. I mean, not as good, not as good as a CBS Sports, and not as good as an NBC Sports that doesn't go into a lot of depth, that uh, has lost a lot of its talent, has scaled back a lot of its um, of its resources into broadcasting it. So you get, um, I mean, I, I I enjoy Phil Shane, I enjoy listening to uh, Ray Hudson and Andres Cordero and Eric Krakauer and and others. I mean, there's some good commentators there, and there's some good there's some good talent and good analysts in the studio. But it's not at the level of a major broadcaster where 
they're doing a massive pre-game show and, and doing a focus. So they're not doing like a, a feature on Giorena, you mean, or the Spanish version of Giorena and doing the, uh, a broadcast on, on Sports Center on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's night and day. And, and also, quite honestly, it, it's how the leagues invest the money from television deals. So there was a noticeable uptick in the Bundesliga's communications and presentation and actually now money for clubs to go out and scout and, 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 and the league improving from when they signed that deal with Fox. We, we can say whatever we want about Fox in the United States, but the Fox international deal really helped transform the Bundesliga. I have not seen La Liga's multiple international deals with, with BN do anything remotely similar. So in terms of cash infusions for clubs, the way the league is promoted, its international profile. Now, granted, La Liga started in a higher place, but I think um, and we sometimes get clouded by this in the United States because of, of our views of Fox's broadcasts of soccer here. But the Fox deal internationally, which uh, began the same year as the Fox deal in the U.S., uh, was actually quite a big deal for the Bundesliga, and they reinvested that money wisely. I, th- I think in many ways, Kartik, though, that La Liga would definitely disagree with you there. I mean, there's a lot of deals that are done that are, I mean, I don't know, two weeks ago, there was a deal done in the United States to have um, La Liga highlights put on gas station television sets. So when you go to a Shell gas station, you pump in your gas and you have the, kind of the TV screen there, sometimes has local news or weather. Well, part of that's going to be La Liga. They've done some deals with... Um, they got like what, a weekly um, video show with uh, Jimmy Conrad. Um, yeah. They've done a lot of work with um, going into the different cities and doing camps and things like that. They, they've done a lot. They, they've actually done more. I'd say maybe not as much as the Bundesliga. And, and La Liga has a weekly newsletter too. It's not as good as the Bundesliga one. But um, they've done more than the Premier League in many ways. I mean, oh yeah, the Premier that, League. That I won't agree with the Premier, Premier League, League fan fests are, are really an NBC driven uh, experience. It's, it's the Premier League is involved, but it's really NBC driving that. Um, but yeah, I, this is a larger argument, and may, maybe not for the show. At some point, the Premier League's conservatism and uh, arrogance will probably get the best of them when compared to other European leagues. It it may not be in the next 10 years, but there is a definitely less progressive approach in promoting themselves and allowing access than other leagues and doing the sort of grassroots things you just described while Liga is doing. I've said uh, the Bundesliga is doing. So um, again, the Premier League's on a pedestal that the other leagues aren't on. So maybe they can afford to be more conservative and, and be more restrictive. But I think in time, uh, it might catch up to them. RJ Hawkins says, uh, Chris and Kartik, this is the first summer in a while where the big European clubs have not played their preseason friendlies in the US. Personally, I think that the ICC will have a have a tough time rebounding as soccer-savvy U.S. fans have increasingly understood that it's hardly a tournament and shelling out big bucks to see largely fringe rosters will be harder and harder to get from the American soccer consumer. In my mind, the golden age of the ICC in the U.S. has passed. Agree or disagree? Kartik, I know, um, I know you have strong opinions on this one, yeah, as do I. Everything comes in again. Uh, look, first of all, I completely agree. I'd actually made that observation several years ago that Americans now are more sophisticated about friendlies. They know that they're not meaningful games. We've seen attendance drop. But this is another Premier League issue where, Chris, you and I both know, and I don't know if we've ever discussed it on this show, that the Premier League itself is less comfortable with their club's 
participating in the ICC yep. uh, than uh, the other leagues in Europe. So this is another re- area where they think that they're on some sort of pedestal. And there may be a time when there are no predis- uh, Premier League clubs in the ICC. And it's a, a, they go and get some South American clubs, or, or obviously Chivas has been in it now, so Mexican clubs. And then it's clubs from the other four big uh, uh, European leagues. Sometimes Germany can't. Uh, that's tough because of the uh, the timing. But we've seen Dortmund and uh, and Bayern now participate. That might be what happens with the ICC. It might be another issue of the Premier League going off and doing their own preseason tournament. Right? There might be a Premier League USA tournament. Yeah. Um, I think the ICC has kind of an uncertain future. However, I think relevant and Charlie Stolatano are really smart. They know this there's some sort of pivot that's going to happen that maybe we're not aware of now. And I don't know if it means they partner with UEFA to do something mm-hmm. semi-official or official uh, here in the States and, and in Asia, or if they get more involved with La Liga, doing an exclusive La Liga thing here. Uh, they have a deal with La Liga, as we know. That's part of what's prompted this DOJ decision. So I I think the, I, the current ICC may have run its course, Chris. I know you may disagree. However, I would bet on relevant pivoting and creating something maybe more exciting uh, in the future. Wow, I actually agree with you uh, there, Kartik. Uh, I, I think in many ways that, um, and oftentimes this complaint is mentioned about uh, American consum- consumers, soccer-savvy U.S. fans, are not going to be uh, paying I mean, the ticket fees and, and going to the games as much as before. People have been saying that about ICC for the last five to, to seven years. And every year that they come back, usually the, the attendance numbers are about that same level. There's some games that are over 100,000 fans or 80,000 fans. And I don't think it's, it, to me, it's uh, condescending. Oftentimes, it's people wanting just to see their club in action. So if it's Man City against Liverpool uh, at uh, Yankee Stadium, I think most fans in the United States are savvy. They know that it's not going to be Mo Salah and it's not going to be a full-strength Liverpool side. There will be a lot of uh, you mean, youth players or fringe players there. Same th- thing with Man City. It's been played. And again, it's on a baseball f- field. You're not expecting much. But people will pay money to see that because they're fans of Liverpool or Man City or they're fans, neutral fans that enjoy watching the Premier League. And I think, um, yes, the ICC has been impacted. A lot of it is as far as um, it's been a busy summer. I mean, every last summer was a busy one with a whole bunch of tournaments played. Uh, this next summer, uh, 2021, you've got Copa America, you've got the Euros, you've got the Olympics and uh, the Gold Cup. You mean, and then probably one or two other tournaments being played too that I forgot about. But every single summer, it's become really congested. Now, I, I think that the golden age of the ICC in the US has passed in its current format, but I see it evolving. And the evolution, it really is the ICC, they want to make that a, a World Super League. They want to have uh, teams playing in the United States. They want to have the Barcelona against Girona or the uh, the 39th game, you mean Liverpool against, um, I don't know, Burnley, whoever it may be, playing at uh, Giant Stadium. They want to have that to be more of kind of a stepping stone to a Super League, having some games played in the United States. And that that's, I see as the evolution. And that I see as a bigger opportunity. Whether or not it'll happen, that's a whole other, other story. But but that's their goal. That's what they're heading towards. And, and they may achieve it. And, and I think that... Um, 
yeah, to me, ICC always get, gets a bad rap, but um, the proof is in the pudding. When you look at the TV, uh, they look, look at the TV uh, viewing numbers are decent, but they look at the number of tickets sold. It's it's bigger than most MLS games. Yeah, I, I think uh, again. The, the thing that's going to be really interesting to see is how also club competitions evolve uh, in this space. Uh, we haven't talked much about it, but 2021 was supposed to be the year of that the new FIFA Club World Cup debuted. Now, I think with COVID and everything being pushed, that is uh, doubtful that they that they get that 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 summer tournament in, which then also means relevant and the ICC have more time to work on some sort of deal to replace uh, what they've got now to pivot and maybe to compete with FIFA on that front. So uh, keep an eye. And obviously they're, uh, they're, they're taking on FIFA, even with the DOJ here in the U S. So uh, they may be really big players to, uh, as we go forward. Next up is uh, Chris uh, Guardino. And Chris says, I would like to talk about Fox and their soccer coverage because it was mentioned for a bit during the podcast. Fox, in my view, going forward, will only be focused on one thing when it comes to soccer, and that is the World Cup, uh, which they have the rights to until 2026. That, for them, is one of their biggest properties they currently have, along with the NFL, college football, and to a certain extent, Major League Baseball. The reason why they have lost all of the leagues they were mentioned in the podcast and and about to lose MLS, in my opinion, is because they... Um, don't really care about producing a high-quality broadcast and attracting new fans to the sport or keeping existing fans. They simply throw games on TV without regards on how people will look at the coverage. Uh, For example, with MLS, before the pandemic, Fox had only planned to show three games on national TV and the rest on FS1. Compare that with ESPN, who planned to put 10 matches on ABC This alone shows me how uncommitted they are to the league. It is sad to see what has become of Fox's uh, soccer coverage. Having grown up watching the Premier League and Champions League on my local uh, Fox Sports network station and watching Fox uh, Fox Soccer Channel religiously throughout my childhood. ESPN, NBC, CBS and Univision are all far better sources for getting soccer content. And unless Fox puts a more dedicated effort into their World Cup coverage for the upcoming tournaments, I would expect them to lose the rights after 2026 unless FIFA wants to continue to receive the billions of dollars they're getting from Fox. Hard to uh, disagree with uh, what Chris has said there, Kartik. No, no, I think he's, he's spot on. All right, this next one's for you, Kartik. I'm not sure if you remember this one, but let me give it to you. Uh, Mark Doherty... Uh, mentioned, he said, listening to last week's podcast, I caught the question about the Apple TV workaround. Can you tell me more? I have two, and it's the only thing I use. And and for those listeners uh, who may not remember this question, this was a question about um, talking about having to switch channels on your TV. That oftentimes with cable TV, it's just easy. I mean, flip, 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 going from Fox to NBC to whatever. Uh, with streaming, it's more difficult because you often have to go into your input source and change from, say, uh, I don't know, a Roku to a Chromecast to whatever it is, and maybe back to TV. But yeah. the the one thing is is that with Apple TV, they make it a lot easier. Where within the app itself, you can go from app to app pretty seamlessly. Do you remember yeah. what the solution is? Yeah, then? so I, I, I think I know what Mark's referring to, which is 
now peacock is is the outlier is the problem here so let's uh forget peacock and peacock premium for a moment but if you have cbs all access you have um espn plus you have br well br live may not be relevant anymore but let's say you have uh, uh, uh those those things you can flip back and forth between apps and therefore matches. Uh, and then in the ESPN Plus uh, app, which I did not realize until our listeners pointed it out many, many weeks ago when I was complaining about not being able to switch from championship matches to Serie A matches, there is a workaround uh, which uh, uh, allows you to watch multiple matches within the ESPN Plus, app, uh, the ESPN app and ESPN Plus on Apple TV at once. Okay, so 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 Mark, keep keep on digging. It, it's there. Um, I I have an Apple TV, but uh, I don't use it that much. It's in a different room, but um, but but it is possible. So so any listeners, if you have more tips for Mark about uh, how to do this seamlessly or any, any other tips or, uh, tips or tricks, let us know. The the other the other uh, thing with Apple TV is that it is also very easy to go back with Apple TV and access the archives, which I guess you can do on your laptop too, but, and access the archives on ESPN plus and CBS all access and watch old matches. So there's, there's no DVR feature, but uh, the archives are all there and it's pretty seamless in, in finding it. It's, it's, it's a lot more user-friendly, I think, than some of the other uh, uh, external devices in in my opinion. And maybe Mm -hmm. that, maybe I'm partial because I have it, but uh, I, I found it very, very convenient. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that's uh, the feedback I've, get, I've been given to is that it's more seamless about uh, integrating all the different apps together, all the different uh, services that you watch, um, and having it in one central place. Last but not least, Shane Rowe says, "I like what Ajax are doing by launching its own YouTube series with in-depth interviews and training sessions. It's very in- innovative for a club to invest in direct media." Do you think more clubs will follow suit? Yeah, so I was on a conference call on another project I'm working on, soccer project, earlier in the week talking about the Ajax channel specifically. So thank you for the question, Shane. It's perfect timing. Um, The thing that's really interesting about what Ajax is doing on YouTube is that they're giving um, these behind-the-scenes look looks at what happens during the week so instead of having uh to wait for a year to watch this jose Mourinho documentary on amazon you're getting uh, uh some training footage you're getting some behind the scenes kind of classroom footage also so uh actually the the call i was on was talking about well when more clubs do this is there a demand for this in the united states I think there is. I want to see how the IAX thing uh, is received in general, but I, I think there's definitely some uh, some market for it. So great question, Shane. And, and uh, funnily enough, or ironically enough, it's something that's been on my mind this week. Yeah, and Shane's question about do you think uh, more clubs will follow suit? I think I think a lot of it depends on uh, within each club as far as resources and uh, personnel that are available to do that. Uh, I know I'm sure. We know that Arsenal had massive layoffs. I'm sure within a lot of soccer clubs um, around the world, um, they've done the same thing too and and kind of laid off a lot of uh, personnel that uh, some of them could be in a video department or a marketing department, etc., communications, etc. For me personally, my club, so Swansea City, I I subscribe to their YouTube channel and they do a great job of providing everything from um, interviews, classic matches, uh, and some other content that um, I like. I, I enjoy watching. It's informative. 
it gives me a better appreciation for some of the the players and, and the people behind the scenes. Uh, it's probably not as good, I'm sure, as Ajax's one. I'm sure as far as um, how in depth it is. But uh, no matter what club you support, definitely go to YouTube. Check out their YouTube channel, and uh, if they have one. Uh, I, I like that um, clubs don't. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of clubs that just keep everything on their website. They just want everyone to go to their player, right? They're a video player and watch everything within there. And sometimes the players, the video players are kind of funky or they're old or they just don't work that well. YouTube's so much easier. But, um, but yeah, I, I hope and I think more clubs will follow suit with uh, similar strategies because it helps with uh, loyalty. It helps with keeping fans informed. It helps with um, giving them giving them a better appreciation of uh, of their club and everything that they do, and communicating to them. All right, listeners, we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. I know that some of you have some thoughts or observations or ideas or questions and you're like, ah, should I should I go ahead and send them to us? Go ahead and send them to us. We'd love to hear from you and we will definitely read those out on the next episode. So we really appreciate everything that you do as far as uh, interacting with us. Don't forget, you can also listen to the World Soccer Talk podcast every week on your favorite uh, uh, assistant, whether it's uh, Google Home or uh, the mini Google, the, the Nest and, uh, and Alexa, uh, just to p- tell your devices to play World Soccer Talk or the World Soccer Talk podcast. And that should bring up the, the latest episode. So Kartik, uh, heading into another week. Uh, there's a lot of things to look forward to, right? This weekend, actually League Cup, League Cup first round starts yep. uh, Saturday. You got Sa- I think uh, Derby County against Barrow. Uh, I think I think Walsall against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, there's a ton of friendlies on. I know over the weekends on both Saturday and Sunday, uh, League One continues, and um, what else is going on? Kartik MLS games, of course, Liga MX games, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some things too that are happening this weekend. Yeah, obviously a lot of women's football also uh, going on with, uh, with with everything in and Nations League. There's so much going on, Liga Mekis, etc. Uh, some matches from South America. Tons of football again uh, as we kind of pull out of the COVID period or, or we try and pull out of the COVID period. Unfortunately, Neymar, among others, has tested positive in the last uh, last few days for COVID. What a plonker. Uh, plonk uh, we're moving on, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of, all, of all players, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that Neymar uh, ends up... Yeah, playing. right. I mean, it was like, oh, well... Yeah, yeah that, that was the reaction generally, right? When some other guys... David Silva tested positive this week also, and everyone's like, ah, oh, it's too bad. With Neymar, it's like, ah, we figures. That was the reaction. Uh, again, I'm not trying to, to cast dispersions, but that was the general perception. When those two players tested positive, the reaction was completely different. So no matter what league you watch, what club you support, uh, lots of games to choose from this weekend. Uh, We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, Kartik, what should they do? Enjoy your football.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.